Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are continuing our exegesis on the book of Colossians, part two, book of Colossians. And we're still in chapter one. And as we said in the previous episode, uh, the, the overarching theme of the book of Colossians is the preeminence and sufficiency of Christ, who is the head of the church. The preeminence and sufficiency of Christ, who is the head of the church. The preeminence and sufficiency of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And he is the head of the church. And what Colossians gives us is an insight into the ontology and the function of Jesus Christ. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, uh, is able to, uh, gives us a glimpse of who Jesus is ontologically, his beingness, his godness. And because of his godness, Paul informs us uh, that Jesus is more than just a baby born in Bethlehem. Jesus is more than just this meek and mild uh, image that many have painted. Jesus is more than just a mere prophet. He is more than just a sage. Jesus is God the Son. And as God the Son, we are uh, given a glimpse into his true identity, his true beingness. That's what that word ontology means. It means beingness. And in, in terms of beingness, when you talk about ontology, you're talking about uh, things that are metaphysical, meaning things that are beyond the physical, things that we necessarily can't see with our naked eyes, things such as angels, things such as prayer, things such as souls, things such as spirit. Uh, that's dealing with the area of uh, metaphys- metaphysics. So being this, is essentially who Paul is talking about as it relates to divinity. Jesus is divine. And as, as the divine one, the second person of the Trinity, uh, he is Alpha and Omega. Jesus is, is um, holding everything together. Every atom in your body, Jesus is holding those in places. Uh, gravity. Jesus is holding it in places. So he's more than the image that the world has created and the image that some uh, churchgoers have bought into. So this book of Colossians really uh, pulls back the curtain on who Jesus is. He is supreme. And so if Jesus is supreme, think about this as Christians, if Jesus is supreme, if Jesus is God the Son, then what is it that we're going through 
that he can't help us with? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing that you're going through that Jesus cannot help you with. If Jesus rose up with all power, and he already had power before he laid his life down, if Jesus is responsible, uh, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, for uh, creating everything out of nothing, we're talking about the one responsible for breathing life to everything. If, if, if Jesus, as God the Son, created everything along with the Father and the Spirit, then he can surely handle my little problems. He can surely give me the power to rise up beyond my issues. And so Colossians really should bolster our faith. It should encourage our souls to know that we serve a God who is uh, able to uh, put in place ex nihilo, meaning to make something out of nothing. And that's what Jesus did by creating us, the world, and the universe. So let's look at uh, chapter 1 again as we take it from verse 4. He gives the recipients of his letter, accolade for their faith. Uh, The faith that they had was not founded in vain philosophies, was not founded in uh, sociological um, remedies, nor was it found in mere psychology. Uh, But the faith that the Christians had in Colossae was rooted in Christ. That's what Paul says, that their faith was rooted in Christ. Their faith was in Jesus Christ alone. The conjunction we find, and, in verse 4, tells us how their faith was exemplified. They loved all the saints. They loved all the saints. And we must learn to love others, as I said before. Uh, Even if we don't run with people, we should learn to love them ontologically. We love the person, but we don't have to accept or embrace every single act that someone uh, commits. Uh, That's how God deals with us. God loves all people ontologically, but he's not accepting every form of worship. He's not accepting every type of act. And we can better uh, understand this concept if you are a parent, uh, if you have a family member, there's people in our family, we love them as family members, but there's some things they do that we can't embrace. So in the same way, we need to learn how to love people, but if those individuals do something that's uh, contrary to the will of God, we must learn to condemn the act, but still learn to love that person. So there is a a distinction between who we are ontologically and what we do functionally. We must learn to love the person, but yet abhor the sin. So Paul is essentially uh, repeating the teaching of Jesus. And we remember uh, Jesus saying in Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 48, ye have heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, 
and persecute you, that ye may be the children of our Father, which is in heaven. For he, he maketh his son, uh, he maketh the sun to rise and the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans also? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, uh, verses 43 to 48. And so what Jesus is, is unpacking for us is it's easy for us to get along with people that we get along with. It's easy for us to get in the mode where we only want to be around people that agree with us. That's not hard. It's not difficult to keep running with the same people, even if those people's habits are not good for you. That's not difficult to love people that we already love or to agree with people we already agree with. But the challenge comes. This is where our Christianity gets tested in terms of our uh, expectations from God. The challenge comes when we have people in our lives that are hard to get along with. This is where your faith in Jesus kicks in. So we only can recognize how close we are to Jesus Christ, oftentimes by dealing with difficult people. If there's a person you don't like, what is your disposition as a Christian? What, how, how do you respond to those individuals as a Christian? Do you curse them? Do you hate them? Or are you praying for them? Are you able to love them ontologically as human beings, but yet separate their ontology from the sin they committed? And that's what we need to do is, is if we're able to uh, di- uh, distinctly separate the person from the act. And when we do that, it becomes easier to pray for them. It becomes easier to intercede on their behalf because the, the man or woman who is in a state of transgression needs intercessory prayer. And that's what Jesus did for us. I think sometimes uh, we as Christians forget how dirty we were before Jesus saved us. I think some of us have spiritual amnesia. We forget that we too have fallen short of the glory of God. And he, meaning God, stooped down to clean us up. In the same way, we should have that type of empathy. We should have that type of sympathy for other people. And if we are able to appreciate how low God had to go to clean us up, then it becomes easier to forgive others despite what they've done to us and uh, show the love of Christ to them, hoping that they too may run into the power of the Holy Spirit.
So the church of Colossae exhibited this virtue of love toward others. Paul also informs his, informs his readers, rather, that their hope was found in the truth of the Scriptures, as we see in verse 5. They heard about the gospel and placed their hope in the truth. The Christian's hope is rooted in the veracity of the Scriptures. It is the same hope which is credited to all believers in heaven. So it's the Scriptures that ought to give us hope. When we read the Scriptures, we know what the end story is. We win. That's the end story. We know we win. But until Jesus comes back, we have work to do. Until Jesus comes back, there are souls that need to be won for Christ. And God wants to use each one of us as an instrument to reconcile lost men, women, boys, and girls back to himself. We have the hope of the scriptures. The scriptures inspire us to function in different places in our community. For the banker who is a Christian will show integrity. For the lawyer who is a Christian will show the justice of God. For the mayor who's a Christian will govern with uh, pure ethics. For the waitress who's a Christian will work like Jesus is his or her boss. For the janitor who's a Christian, they will show and exemplify Christian work ethics. So whatever your disposition is in life, you must exemplify the love of Christ, giving people an opportunity to see what God can do with an open life, what God can do with a person who's willing to follow Jesus Christ. This is our charge. This is our mandate. That hope that we get from the Bible produces good works. Produces good works. The hope we get from the Bible shape our character to look more Christ-like so others may be interested in who Jesus is and what he can do for them. So this was Paul's commendation for the Christians in Colossae. They heard about the gospel and placed their hope in the truth. So the question for this episode is, since you've heard about the gospel, have you placed your hope in the truth of God's word? This same hope in Christ produced fruit in the lives of the Colossian church members. Since the first day they heard the gospel, verse 6, they heard the truth from Epaphras, the faithful servant of Christ, verse 7. Epaphras alerted, alerted Paul and other saints about the conduct of the Christians at Colossae, verse 8. Isn't it a great thing when um, we leave a legacy of Christian conduct where other people can talk about how faithful we were to God's word and how we exemplify the love of Jesus in our life. That's what it's about. 
It's not about how much money you've acquired. It's not about your status or position in your community. It's not about what title you have in front of your name. But ultimately, what matters is how did you reflect Jesus Christ in your lifetime? Are you spiritually attractive? When people talk about you, do they also connect it with Christian conduct and Christian living? That's ultimately what pleases God. So it's a great thing for others to speak well of you. Our lifestyle should always be spiritually attractive. As I said, this church exhibited the love of Christ, this church in Colossae, due to the obedience to the spirit of the living God. So as a result of hearing the good news about the church in Colossae, both Paul and Timothy continued to pray for them. In addition, they desired for the church to be filled with godly wisdom as well as understanding. This is important, to be filled with godly wisdom as well as understanding because of what the church faces. The world is out uh, to prove that their ideologies are right. The world, the secular world, uh, they have a mandate of if it feels good to us, then it's right. The world has a mandate of relativity, meaning that uh, there is no absolute truth, but we create our own truths. And what I believe is true should be accepted and should be okay. And then if somebody else have a different truth, we ought to accept and embrace that truth. And if somebody else have a different truth, then uh, their truth is also to be accepted. And this is blatantly uh, against God's will and God's mandate. God tells us he is a jealous God. He says, my glory will I share with no one. So when we embrace relativity, we're basically uh, rebelling against God. We're saying, God, I know better for me than what you say is best for me. So relativity is, is contradictory to the will of God. And we uh, can only navigate this world or uh, navigate through this world in an accepting way um, by following the precepts of the Bible, the commandments, the instructions, the principles. This is how we please God, uh, not through the world's formula, but through the precepts and guidelines of the scriptures. So we're going to need wisdom, wisdom to deal with difficult people, wisdom to make right decisions as it relates to our finances, as an example. Wisdom to uh, deal with fame. Wisdom to deal with accolades. We're going to need wisdom uh, to properly use the influences we have in life for Jesus. Uh, we're going to need wisdom to those parents out there to properly raise up our children in the admonition of the Lord uh, in, this, in these modern times where everything is haywire. We're going to need wisdom. We're going to need wisdom uh, to deal with difficult people in our lives. We're going to need wisdom. And that only comes by knowing God and knowing his word. Can you gain the type of wisdom that's going to be uh, long-lasting and, of course, eternal? That's the type of wisdom we need. Uh, we don't need necessarily any more books. 
There are millions of books on the shelf, but how many of them are going to give you eternal life? And there's only one. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. And so godly wisdom and understanding is what's going to take us through. Godly wisdom as well as godly understanding, the ability to uh, put yourself in a position where you're making decisions based on being filled with the Spirit, uh, making decisions based on God speaking through your consciousness uh, by the Scriptures, understanding the ability to uh, be in a position to practice holy discernment, uh, where it's not just leaning on your own understanding, but your, your mind uh, is positioned in a way where God is speaking to you in a supernatural way to help you in your decision making. Uh, how to function within the church, how to function within ministries, how to deal with your brother and sister uh, when there's an issue, how to deal with leadership, how, how, how to deal um, with uh, difficult decisions as an ecclesia, as, as, as a global church, as a local church, uh, even in your home church. How do we deal with issues? And the only way we can deal with these issues if, uh, if we have godly wisdom and understanding. And we don't have to go out and, 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 and go buy it, and we, and we don't have to uh, work for it. God has given it to us free of charge in the Scriptures. All of these self-help books and all of these uh, self-help videos that people purchase, they do not compare to God's Word. And God's Word is free. Jesus paid it all when he went to the cross, when you pick up the scriptures, there's information for you. There's information on birth. There's information on death. There's information on being single. There's information on, on being a married couple. There's information on uh, how to raise our children. There, there's information on love. There's information on hate. There's information on reconciliation. There's information on uh, the physical as well as the spiritual. The Bible has been given to us uh, that we may gain godly wisdom and understanding. So this concludes uh, today's episode as we go through the book of Colossians and uh, try to exegese the principles that God wants us to have. As always, we really thank you all for your prayers uh, for our listeners uh, in the United States and around the world. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we uh, encourage you to shoot us an email when you get a chance to identify yourself so we can pray for you specifically. And as always, uh, we encourage your support. Uh, this radio show is funded by listeners such as yourself. And if the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart, uh, please go online to srministries.org srministries.org, and you can donate there. And again, uh, we thank God for your presence. We're praying for you. And remember to always do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. May the Lord bless you and your family.
God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. A crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.